Previously on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. But then the NBA intervened. It's always something with those guys. This is where LeBron is better than anyone ever. This is how you leave the situation? Man, I'm super excited. I don't know for what, but I'm excited, man. I'm so glad you matched my energy, man. Let's do it! You know, it, it's hard to root against Jalen Hurts. I got some beer that the Texans gave us about a year ago. <laughs> I think it should, it should still be good. So I believe in all my heart that we should have went to the Super Bowl. I keep coming back to, how do you stop my home? He felt disrespected. Get the f- out of here. What are you talking about? We believe in change and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. Let it go out there today, baby. Three, two, one. And once again, our mighty ship is back on course. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Mama, there goes that man. You know, ladies and gentlemen, star of our show. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade Podcast. So glad that you are aboard for this episode. And if this is your first time, welcome aboard. We hope to uh, become a part of your podcast menu. And of course, we want you to be a part of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade community. And we'll tell you more about that. But first, I want to welcome all of those who listen to every episode, who call the sports line, who comment, who hit me up on Facebook, who hit me up on Twitter, who hit me up on Instagram. Certainly appreciate you guys for that. Now, let me tell you this before I tell you what we have coming up. You can call us 24 hours a day on the sports line and give us your take about anything and everything in the world of sports. If you have a question, a comment, a suggestion, a request, any of those things, 832-941-6614. That's 832-941-6614. And, of course, on Facebook, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group page. You're going to want to do that. Be a part of the group, and I post poll questions there from time to time. There are posts every day, a lot of great stuff, a lot of great historical stuff, a lot of stuff from different teams, a lot of headlines, all of that stuff on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group page. And, of course, you can follow me on Twitter at WadeWord. This time out, we are going to catch up with our guy from the special teams unit, Reggie Brown, former NFL wide receiver, a Alabama State Hall of Famer. Going to catch up with him on a number of issues. Going to hit you with some headlines. Also going to hit you with on the Mono Award for the big dummy of the episode. We'll hear from our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. And, of course, you never know what else we'll come up with. It's always something. But with that, let's get started with some headlines. In headlines, or in things I want to talk about, a lot I want to get into. I want to get into the Ja Morant situation. I want to talk a little bit about Lamar Jackson and the Major League rule changes, which have been in play for a couple of weeks now. We have some data accumulated, and we'll talk a little bit about that. Let me start with this, though. The Houston Texans have been dealt with by the NFL, and they really got them on a technicality. The NFL sanctioned the Houston Texans by taking a draft and finding them $175,000 for going over the salary cap. Now, how did that happen? How do you do that when they plan and position and maneuver and make moves to make sure they're complying with the salary cap? How does that happen? 
Well, you paid $27,000 for a gym, a quote unquote gym membership for Deshaun Watson. So this uh, stems from the entire situation with the Texans paying for a membership to the Houstonian for Deshaun Watson, a place where he allegedly, I guess, I don't guess it's alleged that he got massages, but it was alleged that he did a whole lot more than just get massages, but that's water under that bridge. It belongs to Cleveland now. But the Texans will lose a fifth-round draft pick, and they will be fined. So there's that, the gift that keeps on giving. Let's talk a little bit about this John Morant situation because it's a, it's a lot there, and it's frustrating. And for those of us who've been in media for a long, long time, you sort of have seen this before in some iteration. You've seen some something like this where guys with a ton of potential just kind of make missteps and sometimes throw it all away. And it looked like John Morant made a huge misstep, and it seems like it's indicative of bigger problems. And the reason why I think it's indicative of bigger problems is that, by and large, folks in the NBA media circles have not really come down as hard on him. They're more focused on him getting help especially after his statement saying that he had had to find ways to deal with stress and all of that stuff. And it's uh, terribly frustrating because one thing about it is back in the day, and I hate to be the guy like back in the day, but back in the day, things were different. Things were different in that if you were at a certain level of athletic success, say you, you really made it to college, you made it to the pros, you really kind of navigated and steered away from some of the more negative influences. Not that you didn't continue to have friends and associate. And sometimes people didn't really separate as much as they should have. We all know those stories, but by and large, you let street dudes be the street dudes and you weren't about that life. And you just balled out. You knew the fellas, you were true to the fellas as much as you could be at arm's length, but you did your thing. Nowadays, it seems like as it pertains to to rappers and athletes, everybody wants to go back to the lifestyle. The goal wasn't like, I'm going to do what I do so I don't have to live the lifestyle. That's kind of how things work. And if you don't know the story about John Moran, he's really the heir apparent in the NBA. He's a guy that is not only a superstar, an ascending superstar. He's the guy that is prepared to carry the mantle. You know, there are a number of other guys like Luca and other cats like that, but Morant is one of those guys. He has that kind of potential, and he creates that sort of excitement for the Memphis Grizzlies. Well, of course, he goes out, and over the course of a few months here, he's had some issues with weapons. And again, like the Brandon Miller situation, it's weapons. And it's like, man, he's flashing a gun, if you want to call it a gun, a little 22 or 25. You ain't going to do nothing but piss somebody off if you shoot him with that. But nonetheless, it's a weapon. Five in the morning, and you're an NBA guy with no shirt on in a strip club. And no shirt on in a strip club we can get with. But why the gun? It's like, like I always say, like it's, you can't have all three. You can have the women and the alcohol. Although, you better watch yourself. I never really want to deal with the weapons, but you can't have alcohol, women, and weapons. <laughs> or alcohol and weapons. Those things kind of don't go together, and bad things tend to happen. Well, nothing bad happened other than you looked really, really bad. It's very uncomfortable to see him doing this when you're a multimillionaire 
when you are the spokesperson for a lot of people. And it is probably indicative of things that are more important as it pertains to his mental health. He has some, some stuff apparently going on. But the deal is this, you know, the weapons thing, you got to kind of leave that stuff alone. And I just don't understand the appeal of who are you trying to prove something to? Because you're not going to out gangster real gangsters. I just don't understand how the gun culture is so like, why do you want to like, why do you want to be that? Like everybody grows up wanting to be what you have. And, and maybe you get there and you realize it's not what you thought it was or, uh, you know, and I blame a lot of different things on it. I talk, I think a lot about AAU basketball and not, and I don't want to just beat up on AAU basketball, but this guy for a long time has been ascending. And so when you are a rising basketball player, especially basketball, you get coddled and no one likes to say no. And everybody's trying to get next to you and everybody is trying to say things that are going to make you happy. And nobody's trying to really check you. And after a certain point, nobody can check you. Maybe not even your parents. And, and I know that it's like it's like that for a lot of adults where, you know, you're young adults. You can reach a certain point, Ken, and no one can tell you anything. But if you have millions of dollars in fame and fortune, it really makes it difficult if you don't have the right people in your corner to listen to anybody. It makes it hard to listen to anybody when you have all of that because everything you've done to this point has produced success. But I just don't get the attraction, the gun culture, even really for the rappers too. Like why you want to really – you really want to live this? Like, what happened to you're the, the storyteller? You're the entertainer. You want to be that, too? You want to be the entertainer, but you want to be that, too? It's just we've lost our way, especially when it comes to that sort of thing. And I think that, when you, again, going back in the day, back in the day when you think about the great, great players, even with LeBron, not I mean, he's a guy like that. They want to ball. They want to be successful at ball. And I wonder if these guys want money and success more than they want to be great basketball players. And, and I mean that, okay, you know if you were Magic Johnson and Larry Bird, all of that stuff, the fame, the fortune, even Michael Jordan, you know the fame and fortune would probably come. You knew that you would be famous. But the bottom line is you wanted to be the best in the world. You wanted to be the guy on the court. You wanted to be successful night in and night out. And if that's not really your goal, if you came to be famous and rich as much as you wanted to be successful on the court, and I'm not saying because I don't know the young man. I don't know what his priorities are. But clearly, when you make basketball your priority, you're not hanging out all night long or drinking on the team playing like, you know, big amounts of tequila or whatever you know you're not doing it you're not having your crew allegedly point lasers attached to guns at indiana pacers personnel you know you don't allegedly pull a gun on a 17 year old if you're really about the life of being the best basketball player you can so i hope the young man gets help and i hope he figures it out but that team right now i mean if you're talking about on the court uh, it's not going to happen for him, although a lot of people were anticipating what would Memphis do in this wide-open West, especially now that Durant is a little banged up. We don't know what's going to happen with the Lakers, although I, you know, I thought they were going to all the way be out, but Anthony Davis has played well. They're hanging around. They may, may make it into the play-in. Kevin Durant twists an ankle. Don't know how serious that's going to be as of this recording. We don't know. 
So that's going on. So give me your thoughts on that. 832-941-6614. I just don't understand. Guys, you made it. Don't like, why are you trying to be that? Be what you are. Like the street. And, and here's another thing, especially about like places like Memphis, man, they look, you playing with people. I mean, we saw it kind of with Tupac. You're playing with people. Man, they don't care about your shoe deal. They don't care about how many points you score per game. They don't care how many millions you have in the bank. If you in that world, you're in that world. And when you're flashing guns and all of that stuff, you invite a certain kind of energy that you're not ready for, John Morant. As gangsta as you think you might be, are you really going to do some of the things? And if you do... You really don't belong in the NBA. So give me your thoughts. 832-941-6614. For more content, go to wayswordproductions.com. I came across this news story here in the greater Houston area. And if you look at the news in the perverse way that I do a lot of times, you find you find a lot of humor. Now, this was pretty funny. So uh, an assistant principal at a school here in, the, in Goose Creek ISD. I don't know where that is. That's around the greater Houston area. I don't on the suburbs somewhere. I think it's east of Houston. But anyway, principal got caught with cocaine at school. In the staff restroom. She was arrested and she was arraigned and all of that. Here's the deal. Apparently, she is claiming that the cocaine in the restroom could not be linked to her in any way. But here's the catch. And I get that. If you have a staff restroom, people in and out, you never know. It could be anybody. However, a drug-sniffing dog got a hit on her vehicle in her, I guess, her, her office or her personal area, to which it's been reported. I don't know if this is true or not, but she admitted when questioned about this that she did have a straw that had cocaine in it because she had done cocaine that morning. So her argument in front of a judge, and this is for real, a lawyer of some sort is going to stand in front of the judge and say, well, she did cocaine that day. But not that cocaine. <laughs> you talk about a Lamont Award in real life. Yeah, there's that. Let me talk a little bit about the Houston Astros. Well, I'm excited about the Astros. But I want to talk about MLB rule changes. By the way, shouts out to T-Mobile. They will have MLB TV for free for all the folks. So I'm telling you now, look for that. Even if you're not a huge baseball fan, think about this. You can watch any game except your local team live, but you can watch replays of that team, but you can watch any other game. So just if you're sitting there at your daughter's gymnastics practice, you could be looking at a game just like that if you're T-Mobile. And this is not a, an advertisement for T-Mobile unless they want to cut your boy a check. But anyway, MLB will be back on T-Mobile phones, which I found just incredible to have. So I love that, and shouts out to T-Mobile for making it happen. But that's about the only thing that I like about what's going on with baseball. That and we, we, Houston, the Astros, are the defending champs. But the rule changed. And so now we've had a couple of weeks under our belts where we had a chance to digest and see what this looks like, you know, on a major league level. And by and large, people are loving it. The media is loving it. Everything is great. More offense, more activity on the bases. Pitch clock is working out. You had a few little points of contention with batters 
and pictures, a couple of them. Not everybody in mass, but yeah, a few guys had problems. But I have a general problem because let's start off with this argument, with this understanding. The understanding is baseball games are too long, and I cannot argue with that at all. I agree. The question is, how do you affect change? Do you affect change with a pitch clock? I would not have gone in that direction. Instead, I would have really prompted the umpires to take control of the game, push the game along, and have in your back pocket the ability to hit a team with a delay of game. Maybe you get a warning, next time out, that's a strike. If you continue, eventually you escalate and evolve into earning a an out. I, maybe not an out, but maybe more punishment would come if you can't pick up the pace. So I would have put the onus on the umpires. Take away the pitch clock because the pitch clock is going to have unintended consequences. When you're talking about stealing bases, which they clearly want because the bases are bigger. We're dumbing down the game, making the bases bigger, and we're putting on this pitch clock, and you can't throw to first base more than like twice. You got, tw- you got two times to throw the first, and then you got to go to the plate. Well, if I'm a runner, can you imagine Ricky Henderson with bigger bases knowing that, okay, not only can he not throw over here a couple of times, but if he gets low on the pitch clock, I'm leaving anyway. If it's three on the pitch clock, I'm gone, and he can't throw over here. So, like, you're setting this up in an artificial way. So you're dumbing down the game, and a lot of this is cool for now. But wait until October or September, September, October, when it really gets serious and you have those those tension mounting moments that makes baseball so incredible to watch. These are the things that make baseball special when you get late in the year. It's a tense situation. Bases are loaded. You don't want to be looking at a damn clock. Like, oh, you better hurry up. And I just don't think that fans are really going to appreciate the new baseball. This is new baseball. I don't care what you do with baseball. You're not going to compete with the NBA, and you're not going to compete with the NFL. That's not your lane. Your lane is America's pastime. Peanuts, popcorn, apple pie, and Chevrolet, or whatever. I mean, you're sitting there on a Sunday you don't want to watch the clock. You want to have an a, a atmosphere where you let the game come. And there'll be moments of excitement, but again, they're trying to appeal to a new generation that has a shorter attention span, and I get it, but you have a better chance of losing people that love the game than you do of gaining people who have never, never paid attention to baseball to this point. So it's not like if you didn't watch a three-and-a-half-hour baseball game, you damn sure don't care about a two-hour baseball game. It's not realistic. <laughs> if you don't care about baseball now, you're not going to care about it. So you're not going to expand your audience. What the new offense uh, and the measures with the no shift and some of the other measures, the bigger bases and all of that stuff, what it does do is try to artificially inject the game with excitement that the game used to have. If you think about this before, what, 98 and chicks dig the long ball and everything is about home runs and then you get the 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 analytics folks with the launch angles and all that before that you had bigger outfields you had those power alleys you had steals you had guys really using athleticism and then you started saying well hey well let's just play for the big inning and once that happens a lot of guys 
who may not have had power numbers, may not have had great, they didn't hit for average great, but were able, once they were on base, could make things happen. So many exciting athletes were a part of baseball that aren't playing baseball anymore. And so, I mean, not to say that these guys aren't athletic, but think about it, man. Andre Dawson and Willie Wilson and Ricky Henderson and Rock Reigns. I mean, every team had a guy that was just a speedster. I mean, even we had, what, Eric Yelding and we, I mean, we had a bunch of guys. Say so, Daniel. We had a, a bunch of 5-2 guys or some 5-2 guys, but we had guys that could run the bases here in Houston. But every team had a speed guy. The St. Louis Cardinals, Whitey Herzog, you say, hey, speed kills. He utilized that a lot as a part of the game, and it was much more exciting. Then you decide you want a smaller ballparks, bigger hits, of course, the steroid era and all of that stuff. And, and really, a lot of these athletes sort of left the game. A lot of African-American athleticism left the game. So instead of, hey, let's get these kind of guys back in, let's just artificially inject rules to stimulate offense. If you can get the athletes to play, and, and again, I'm not saying that these guys aren't athletic, but... The best athletes in America are not playing baseball. We know that. They're playing football and basketball. And that's the problem with soccer. Our best athletes aren't playing soccer. If they did, we'd be running some World Cups around this piece. So, I don't know. Tell me what you think about that. 832-941-6614. 832-941-6614. Going to take a brief time out. Come back on the other side. Want to talk a little bit about Lamar Jackson. In addition to that, we still have Reggie Brown coming up. Our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy, and a Lamar Award for the big dummy of the episode. This is the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Anywhere you get your podcast. Your children are the most precious gift God has given you. Their well-being is of the utmost importance, and finding childcare that exhibits the same belief is, well, non-negotiable. So why not end your search at Brighter Brains Learning Center? Located in Stafford, Texas, Brighter Brains is a licensed, family-owned and operated daycare that promotes an early educational foundation and provides an environment of love, safety, and quality care for children ages six weeks to five years old. For more information, call 346-328-3717 or visit brighterbrainslearningcenter.org. Shelly Wade, and welcome back to Sports Talk with Devin Wade. March Madness is well underway and in the greater Houston area. Things are looking up for both the Texas Southern Tigers and the University of Houston Cougars. The Cougars are advancing to the AAC championship game. Number one team in the country. Hoping to be the number one overall seed. I guess that'll make a difference. We'll have to see if they get screwed in that process. But nonetheless, they'll be a number one, I think, even if they lose in the championship game. But let's talk a little bit about Texas Southern's run. They were eighth seed in the conference. This has not been a great season. A lot of injuries, a lot of folks in and out of the lineup, and you thought, okay, well, after a 
couple of years of a great run to get to the NCAA, this may not be the year. And lo and behold, in the opening round, they beat Alcorn State, the overall number one seed in the conference, the co-champ. And now in the championship game, they face the other co-champ in Grambling State. In between that, they beat Alabama A&M. So we're hours away from finding out if the Texas Southern Tigers will go dancing in the NCAA tournament. Let's see if they can get into the big dance. I'm excited. And, of course, we will do brackets as well. So if you want to be involved with us, I'm doing one for KTSU Sports Talk. So if you want to get in on that, on ESPN, under the tournament challenge, the men's tournament challenge, look for the group KTSU Sports Talk, two words, 2023. Join that group. You can pick with myself, Ralph Cooper, Kevin Allen. In addition to that, Chili Bill Smith. We'll have some other folks from around Houston Media jump in on that. It should be a whole lot of fun, and we want you to be a part of that. So on ESPN, the bracket, the tournament challenge, uh, look for the group KTSU Sports Talk 2023. There you go. That is going on. Also, big news in the NFL, and this is good for the Texans. We knew that a lot of folks were coveting the Chicago Bears' number one overall pick because there are teams that need quarterbacks. Apparently, they don't need Lamar Jackson, but that's a different story. But we knew that folks would probably try to make a run at getting that number one overall pick, and you presume Bryce Young is the guy. Maybe it's C.J. Stroud, but nonetheless, the Carolina Panthers were the first one to jump up and get that done. Chicago hauled in a, a couple of number ones, a number two, and D.J. Moore, the wide receiver. So things are great for Chicago in that situation. But it also, to me, worked out for the Houston Texans because maybe they would have, maybe they wouldn't have tried to make a run at the number one pick and give up something to move up a spot to make sure that they could get Bryce Young. Now, as it stands, they'll end up with Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. Or, if it's me, I would go a different direction and i go defense. If I'm the Houston Texans, I would strongly consider Will Anderson from Alabama to give you that pass rush, an explosive guy. Of course, he has to add more moves, but he is a baller. He's a dog. I would really consider taking him in number two and getting either Levis or Richardson from Florida at the number 12 overall pick. So that way you get the best player on the board in Will Anderson. It may be Jalen Carter, but I think Jalen Carter's stuff is not I don't know if they want to deal with it or not it could be something that the organization don't they don't want to deal with of course he was arrested and the speeding the reckless driving thing we'll have to see how that plays out but in any case he's been caught up in a few things I don't know that that's the direction the Texans would want to go with Jalen Carter but I would think about Will Anderson for sure and you still get that quarterback. People are so caught up in getting a top quarterback, and we see time after time that does not ensure success. I mean, look at some of the guys that were picked at the top of the draft. A lot of guys were picked at the top of the draft that are not panning out, have not panned out to this point over the last few years. Doesn't mean that's any indication that Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud won't get it done, but you don't have to get that guy. I mean, so many examples of guys that have not been even first-rounders having a ton of success. Think about this. Late in the first round of Aaron Rodgers, you talk about Mahomes wasn't a top 10 pick. Deshaun Watson wasn't a top 10 pick. There's so many guys that weren't at the very top of the first round that went on to have tremendous tremendous careers in the NFL quarterback. So you don't have to have that guy at the number 2 spot if you feel good about Will Anderson or somebody that can really have an impact 
The Texans do not have a lot of talent on that roster. You need to upgrade a lot of places. The only places that you don't have to really press yourself in that number two slot is in the secondary. Anywhere else you want to go, I'm fine with it if it's the best player on the board that will have an immediate impact on this organization and on the field. So give me your thoughts on that. 832-941-6614. want to briefly talk about this Lamar Jackson thing because we're going to talk to Reggie Brown about that and more. Here's the deal with Lamar Jackson. A lot of people are saying it's collusion and a lot of people are saying, oh, why, why is he not being coveted like say Aaron Rodgers or some of these other quarterbacks. Well, to me, it boils down to this. It is part collusion. And what I mean by that is I don't know that teams got together. Of course, you can't prove that kind of stuff. But I do think in part teams have decided that they do not want to get full, give fully guaranteed contracts. They don't want to do it. They look at what the Haslam's did in Cleveland and they're like, it's no way in hell we're going to do this because by and large – Quarterbacks get the most guaranteed money, but it's never 100% guaranteed. The first person to do that, Deshaun Watson, $230 million fully guaranteed. The NFL does not want to get into the NBA Major League Baseball game of guaranteeing contracts, full contracts, all of the contracts. And really, most of the guaranteed money that goes to players are going to quarterbacks. They may give you a large portion of a guarantee, but not all of it. And I think that it's a conscious effort that the owners don't want to keep going down that road and they don't want to replicate what the Cleveland Browns did. That being said, I think it was sort of disrespectful. I think it was really disrespectful, but a cunning move by the Baltimore Ravens to put the non-exclusive franchise tag on Lamar Jackson. This allows him to go out and see what the market will give him. And now we know that the market will probably not give him a fully guaranteed contract. I'm safe to say that, right? So when he comes back and signs his deal, because I don't think he'll play for the $32 million. I think they'll come up with something. I'm, I've heard people say, and I don't know, that the guaranteed amount of money was in the $180 million range. And he wanted more than that. But I think the player whose contract has really played a part in Lamar Jackson's negotiations more than Deshaun Watson is probably Kyler Murray and and all of the guaranteed money he got. And he wants more guaranteed money. When you look around, he's a former MVP. Now, he hadn't had the playoff success of other quarterbacks, but he certainly has more success than Kyler Murray, and he wants more than what he got. He's had more success than Deshaun Watson. So he wants to be taken care of, and we'll see if they do that. We'll see how it plays out, but I certainly know that the NFL is not trying to go down the road of 100% guaranteed contracts for any players. Because once you creep down that road, and that's the standard, that's where the market is moving forward, before you know it, there'll be a left tackle or a defensive tackle, or an edge rusher. Somebody's going to get that, a cornerback. Somebody's going to get a fully guaranteed contract. And once that sort of trickles down, that that trickle-down effect, all of a sudden you're looking at guys having all these guaranteed contracts, and the NFL owners are not trying to have that. Give me your thoughts on that, 832-941-6614. Let's hear from our sponsor and our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. We still have Reggie Brown and Lamont Award coming up. This is the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Anywhere you get your podcast.
Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple, and it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832-757-7950. That's 832-757-7950. CoBank Homes through Keller Williams. Resident DJ, DJ Anarchy on the mix, doing his thing as always. We certainly appreciate him. And, of course, you can check him out on SoundCloud and on Instagram and around the city of Houston. And speaking of around the city of Houston, last weekend, Robert Glasper performed free in the park, in Emancipation Park. He's a native Houstonian. 10,000, estimated nine to 10,000 folks turned out for that. I don't, I don't know what the number was. There were a lot of people. I attempted to go. KTSU hosted that, and I was not on the uh, the agenda. I wasn't on the itinerary, and I wasn't a, a part of the host group from KTSU, but I still wanted to go. Got there late, missed Robert Glasper, but I was there in spirit. I mean, I couldn't, I, I just couldn't maneuver to get there. So I had to pass that one up. So that went on. But I also wanted to remind you guys, if you have music that you want heard, if you're a a fledgling artist or DJ and you want part of your mix or if you want your music heard on the podcast, just email us, music at wadeswordproductions.com. That's music at wadeswordproductions.com. The genre doesn't matter. We'll play a snippet at the halfway point and an entire track or an extended portion of a mix at the end of the episode. So music at wadeswordproductions.com. Hey, let's get what our guy from the Special teams unit, former NFL wide receiver and former all swack everything, Reggie Brown. Talk to him about a number of things. Let's hear that conversation. Our guy from the special teams unit, Reggie Brown. How are you, man? So good to talk to you. Hey, man, it's all good. Hanging in there. Excited, you know, month of sports going. NFL is over. Free agent is starting. Basketball. So it's a great time to be a sports fan. 
Well, let's start, and I want to get into some NFL stuff because there's a lot going on, a lot of moving parts there. But let's talk a little bit about the the biggest story, I think, over the last uh, week, week and a half, the John Morant story. And I, I want to talk about it because it blends into uh, bleeds into so many different areas when you talk about culture, athletes, sort of the gangster kind of imagery and young men getting crossed up and getting involved with this gun culture and all of that stuff thoughts what what did you, you think when you first saw the John Morant story well initially you think what are you doing you're a millionaire you're a face of a franchise you got to make better decisions right but then as you correctly state there is a culture this hip-hop blending with NRA as one of my partners said is a dynamic that is real and they have to protect themselves and people out to get him but I I just think that he has to be more smart about what he's doing you don't want to end up one getting into a situation where you can lose your life that's number one because you're flashing guns and all of that stuff and then number two you want to to the extent possible and some people don't want to be but whether you are or you're not you're you're a role model man and you got to carry yourself so I want to ask you about this because you came into the NFL. And what I said earlier, and you can give me your thoughts on this, what I talked about earlier was that back in the day, you know, you had your boys that you probably grew up with and you had those those cats that did what they did. But yeah. usually the athletes, at a certain point, you really kind of separated. You you kind of chose the life you wanted to live, and that was the, the life of an athlete. Why do you think? the guys that make it this far these days still want to be gangsters too. <laughs> I mean, that, I'm confused well, by that. Well, I think it's a couple of things I would initially attribute to not having a strong male figure in their lives. And I don't know Josh's background. I don't even know any, a lot to have your comments heard. You know, call 832-941-6614. You know, you have separated yourself and there are some, things that you cannot do, right? And then I think secondly, and probably more importantly, is my homeboys who I was riding with, they did not let me do those things either. You know, they would be like, hey, yo, if something go down, I got it. You need to stay clean. Your name got to be out of it. And I think that's the other part that's missing now is, you know, there's no separation from it. So let me ask you this. Growing up in Miami, I'm, I would imagine, and I don't know a lot specifically about your background, but I know, I mean, yeah, I know Miami is Miami on the next level on, on a lot of this stuff. So my question to you is, did you have a moment that you can recall? And I know this is just off the top of the dome. Do you have a moment that you could recall to say, okay, yeah, I can't do that anymore? I'm from Miami, and I'm from the hood in Miami, and those moments, you know, as I was growing up and in college and even in the NFL, you know, if you're in the city, if you're in the hood, as I was, those moments were really prevalent. But you have to have something in you that says this isn't right and I'm different and I've established myself. But again, I go back to as much as there were moments where I could have did something, I had people around me who didn't let me get caught up. My homies was like, hey, I got that. You going on and we going to handle it if something needs to be handled. That's what I think is missing. 
And, and I think it's missing from both parts. I, I recognized that I couldn't be involved in it. And I had homeboys who recognized I shouldn't be involved in it. And now I think guys like John feel like they can be involved and they don't have anybody around them telling them not to be involved. And that's a dangerous, dangerous combination. Yeah, see, I think about this time, and, and again, mine wasn't because I was an elite athlete, but it was a time where I knew my daddy would kick my ass. Yes. It was like, when, it, we with the fellas, I was with the fellas, and I remember this distinctly, and they said, well, look, we getting ready to go crank cars. They getting ready to go steal cars. I said, nope, let me out. <laughs> I knew that that was a, a, a bridge too far for me, and at that moment, I knew. And so, I, you know, did you have a moment where, on this particular night, it was something was gonna go down, and you obviously you changed the name to protect the innocent or the guilty. But did you have a, a night or a day where you said, "Okay, yeah, I gotta go"? <laughs> hey, I'm gonna start it off this way, and then I'm gonna end it. One night, I was at Carrington. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of bad stories start with one night I was at Carrington's. Right. And I'm going to just leave it right there. And for those of you in Houston, if you know, you know. <laughs> you had to make a quick exit out of that, huh? Man, it's quick, man. It's quick. <laughs> man, that is priceless right there. So, <laughs> I mean, I hope the young man gets it right. But, you know, same thing with, like, Brandon Miller. And I was asking someone who played in a really high-profile basketball program, would your coach have made some rules and said, hey, man, you y'all can't have guns? And I know that people, you know, they they might say, oh, you're infringing on our rights and we have to protect ourselves. But if I'm a head coach, I'm like, yo, man, we're not doing the gun thing. And if you're somewhere where you feel like you need a gun, you don't need to be at that place. I mean, what are yeah. your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that that is the rule. And I think most coaches would agree and say that. But the problem is when you're an athlete, to some degree, a high-profile athlete, any place could be that place when you need a gun. So I understand it, but, but I think the bigger issue is having the intestinal fortitude, the ability to make quick decisions to get yourselves out of situations, man. You, you just got to be smarter than that, and you got to to the extent possible some things we can't control right when it comes to you life comes furious and fast and you got to make these snap decisions and sometimes you don't make them quick enough but to the extent possible man you got to keep yourself out of these types of situations well as a former nfl player i want to shift gears and talk a little bit about these franchise tags and and really i want to talk specifically about lamar jackson because Lamar Jackson was offered a non-exclusive franchise tag. And so that means he can negotiate with other teams and the Ravens have the right to match and it will cost the signing team two first round picks. Since then, a bunch of teams that need quarterbacks are like, nah, we at the game. <laughs> we ain't in this thing. So what I sort of attributed to, and you can give me your thoughts on my thoughts, essentially, I think, that they know that whatever the guaranteed figure that Baltimore offered was higher than they were willing to pay. And I also think it's some collusion going on with these. They don't want to reset the market like the Cleveland Browns did 
by guaranteeing Deshaun Watson all of that money. I mean, my understanding is a lot of owners were really pissed off with the Cleveland Browns yeah. for yeah. making his entire $230 million contract guaranteed, which is crazy to think of. But what do you think? When you hear about all of this stuff with Lamar Jackson, what do you think? Well, one, I think the teams that say they're not in it are lying, and they're in it. They want Lamar Jackson, but you just can't come out and say you want to be in it, and you may have a quarterback that's the starter, and you don't want to piss him off until you absolutely have to say, we signed Lamar Jackson. So that's number one. I think there are more teams that are in the hunt, Atlanta, um, possibly Miami, other teams may be interested, but just are not willing to say it on the record, right? And then secondly, I think to your point, Baltimore is a well-run organization. And they're not going to make snap decisions or bad decisions based on what the Cleveland Browns did with Deshaun Watson. That's just not going to happen. And then I think finally, they're in the perfect situation. They give Jackson time to go out and see what the market says about his contract. And then they have the opportunity to match it. So, you know, if somebody's willing to pay money that they're just not willing to pay, they get the compensation. But they're banking on Lamar is going to find out that is not what they think or he thinks, which leads to your collusion that teams are just not going to pay that much for him. And I think Baltimore is banking that he's going to come back. Yeah, it's going to be a tough situation. And I think the the added part of that, he's representing himself. And, yeah. and I don't know what it's like to be in that room, but my understanding is you have an agent in usual situations. You have an agent saying, this is why my guy needs to get paid. And then you have an organization saying, hey, well, this is where he this is why we're not giving him this money because of this, this and this. And if you have that buffer in there of an agent and a team talking, the player, you don't, your feelings aren't as hurt. But if you have to hear this stuff from the guy that you have to, to play with and play in that organization, I would imagine it's some pretty hard fear, feelings uh, that could develop in that situation. Well, I think that it makes it tough for the team and it makes negotiating very hard because you know, the general manager for the, the Ravens is not going to look at Lamar Jackson and say, you injury prone. They'll say that to an agent, and the agent will understand what they're saying. That's very difficult to say to the quarterback. So I think that, you know, the negotiations are very, very hard when you're representing yourself. And, you know, from Lamar's standpoint, he has, I'm sure, has obtained a copy of Deshaun Watson's contract, and he's obtained maybe a copy of Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes and had a chance to maybe allow his lawyer to look at it and try to make some decisions. Because really, you know, it's going to come down to about $200 million, 230 maybe. I doubt very seriously that anybody's going to give him the guaranteed contract is what he's looking for. Not for the entire thing. And I think, no. it, for me, if you can get up to, to anywhere between 180 and $200 guaranteed, you won. <laughs> I mean, I the Kyler Murray contract is what set the market. And I think his was 189 guaranteed, I think. So I think that's what set the market. And so somewhere, you know, 10 to 20 north of that would be where they land at. Yeah. Well, so do you think a deal will get done with Baltimore? 
I, I think it's how much does a outside team like Atlanta, maybe Carolina, you know, as much as I hate to say it, maybe Miami may be looking at him and saying, this is a guy that can put us over the top. And, you know, we pay $10 million more than what we w- really wanted to pay for him. But ultimately, I think he ends up back in Baltimore. So you talk about Miami, and this, I've heard a couple people say this, which almost, in a way, kind of doesn't make sense because aren't you trading one guy who can't finish the season for another guy who can't finish the season? Right. <laughs> and, and with both of them, you know, with Tua, it's a lot less salary cap implications. Um, some would argue that Lamar Jackson's injury and the way he plays football lends itself to more injuries, even though Tua is often injured as well. So that's what I think in my mind. I, I want to ride with Tua, but as I say in Twitter spaces, I think either one of those quarterbacks put Miami in a really, really good situation. Well, I mean, you're immersed in the Miami world. couple things. Isn't Lamar from Miami? And, oh, yeah. And then the other part of that is how are they feeling? How, how's the fan base? How's the organization from, from the things that you pick up? How do they really feel about Tua? And do they really feel that they can move forward with him from a health standpoint? Well, I think there's a couple things. The, the organization, for all intents and purposes, has continuously said the same thing, particularly since Mike McDaniel got there, that Tua is our guy. And as soon as the season was over, they made it a point again to say Tua is our guy. Now, Chris Greer did say, because you know that Tua's fifth-year option is coming up next year, and a lot of quarterbacks in Tua's situation, they get the extension this year. I think Miami is wise not to give him the extension. You got to kind of see, is he going to give us a year where he's fully healthy? But I do think the organization is committed. On the flip side of that, the owner is getting up in age. And maybe the owner thinks, well, I know, Mike McDaniel, you signed up for two and you're a two a guy. But I'm going to take my chances with Lamar Jackson because I think he's a more dynamic player and then go after him. But if it's left to the general manager and the head coach, Tua will be the guy. And I just wonder how all of that will play out. Because, again, now you're looking at a situation where Miami may be in the same place Baltimore is a year from now or whatever. So where they're talking about extension or franchising and all of that stuff. Any thoughts about, of course, Quar? And I know your boy, Eddie Robinson. I know he has to – I hadn't talked to him. Maybe you have. I know he has to be excited about Derek Carr coming and maybe the possibility of making a trade for DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, how about uh, that move with uh, Carr going to the Saints? Man, every year you say the Saints have salary cap problems and – you know, they $200 million over the cap, and then they go out and make us play and sign it. I think, uh, is, isn't he from, well, he's from that area, from New Orleans. I think he's from Mississippi. Isn't he from Mississippi? Well, he, he grew up here because he played, I mean, his family. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, with his brother, you're yeah, correct. with his brother here. So he was here a lot as a young kid. You know, that's when you're getting old, man. I coached against him when I was at Kemner High School, and he was at Clements High School. He was the quarterback. And, you, and you forgot, yeah. <laughs> Sing your moment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, let me say that I'm getting older. I think it's a good fit for him, and uh, I think he needed just a change of scenery. You know, 
he's been in my mind a good quarterback and maybe a change of scenery takes him to the next step. Yeah, and I think uh, that really put the pressure on the Jets to try to make a move for Aaron Rodgers. Do you think I, that seems like that's going to be a train wreck? I, I I don't know what's going to happen in that situation, but it seems almost inevitable that he may end up in New York for the Jets. It's a great team, a fantastic young team, especially if they can stay healthy at running back. And defensively, I mean, that's – and you got a great wide receiver. It's a great situation, but do you want to – I guess you you tank that with, with Aaron Rodgers? Well, it's Brett Farvish when he came to the Jets, right? Uh, it, Similar it, situation, it, right? Yeah, it, it seems the same exact way, and that was a total – train wreck when Brett Favre got there, and I don't see any difference from Aaron Rodgers going there. I mean, particularly if he's going to take some of the mushrooms or whatever it is, he <laughs> takes them to get up to New York. Yeah. I don't know how that'll play in New York, right? In Metropolis. Right. Huh? So finally, before we get out of here, I know I want to touch on this briefly. Baseball rule changes. We're a couple weeks in, and the games are speeded up, and now you have more stolen bases, a lot more movement on the base pads. In general, what are your thoughts about the, the rule changes in Major League Baseball? I'm a traditionalist, like we talked about. But as much as I'm a traditionalist, I understand that the attention span of America is not four and a half hours to watch a baseball game. And so they had to do something. And I'm not sure if this is the best way to go about it. But I do know that they had to do something. Yeah, I agree with you. They had to pick up the pace on the, on baseball. And, and I just think that for everybody that is applauding the rule changes now, what are you going to do in September when all of a sudden in the eighth inning you have a pressure situation and you have a pitcher that throws the first base and now you can't throw over the first base again and now you got the pitch clock counting down and you have to make this pressure pitch, and you know the guy on first base is going to steal second. And now all of a sudden, you know, it doesn't seem it doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem legit. These tense moments, I think, are going to come up, and I think people are going to second-guess this in really well, crucial games. That, well, I think that they get paid $30 million to figure that out. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I understand, but, I mean, even— It's going to be tough, though. I mean, I don't mind it. You, you make a great point. Throughout the year, I think the baseball games are just too much. Right. Playoff time, I have no problem with the length of the game because it's the playoff and because of the intensity and what's at stake. So, yeah. I, I, think, I just think that the fans are really going to have a tougher time than they think. Because this is going to feel different, man. This is not going to feel and, – and, and the one thing about baseball is the tradition is America's pastime. And, again, this is all under the umbrella of I understand the games have to be shorter. But, boy, do we really want to have this rush situation where all, all of a sudden, you know, we're speeding through a baseball game on a Sunday afternoon? I mean, I don't – I just don't think that's going to play as well with fans as they think it will. Well, I think that you forget that. The game hasn't always taken four and a half hours or so, or four hours, whatever. Right. It used to be three hours, and and they got it done then, and it was just as intense 
it's not you so uh, i know that these parameters are in place and they may speed but the game is you know used to be done in a reasonable time you're right greg maddox used to hey he'd get going he'd have you right. out of there in two hours <laughs> right exactly. yeah so I, hopefully we can i wish we could have gotten to that without this but we'll have yeah. to see we'll have to yeah. see it's the unintended consequences for sure. Yeah, and so we'll have to see how that plays out. Man, a lot to talk about here in the near future, and you got to join in and pick a bracket with us because we got some March Madness coming up, and then NBA playoffs. We have the draft. I want at some point want to get your thoughts on the Texans and what they should do at the number two pick, all of that yeah. stuff. So we look forward to talking to you real soon, man, and we certainly appreciate the time. All right, bro. Great job, and as always, love the special teams. To have your comments heard, call 832-941-6614. Enjoyed our conversation with Reggie. As always, you never quite know where the conversation is going to lead. Bet you didn't think you were going to hear about Carrington's on this podcast today. (laughs) And again, if you're from Houston, if you know, you know. So that being said, it's time for the Lamont Award. You know, bad luck, but I hope your ship sinks with no lifeboats and no life preservers and a school of piranhas surrounding you, you big dummy. The Lamont Award goes to the player, team, entity, someone in or around the world of sports we deem to be the big dummy of the episode. And while this was trending on Twitter, a lot of folks aren't on Twitter, or maybe you missed this. Jalen Rose, Jalen Rose gave all the fellas some advice. He's out here teaching school, and I think you guys are going to want to hear what he has to say. So first off, the minimum you're supposed to be spending for a quality barber is $100. I'm here to defend the sanctuary that is called barbers and beauticians. You know, so many guys and people out there think y'all going to show up and get a fly haircut, and y'all going to spend $35. So there it is. Jalen Rose said what he said. I think he was really kind of trolling, saying it tongue-in-cheek. And I think he was trying to say the sanctity of barbers and beauticians, but... That's neither here nor there. But he said you have to spend $100 for a quality haircut. Not never, okay? (laughs) And I'm using the double negative on purpose. Never, never would I ever spend $100 on a haircut. What else comes with that haircut? You going to prepare a meal and cut my hair? Are you on staff? What are we doing here? I would never spend that kind of money. Even if I had it like that, I wouldn't spend that kind of money. And then furthermore, you are dissing all the barbers. I, I mean, I'm talking about the cats that get it in. I'm talking about the true geniuses that are out here every single day grinding, cutting hair for much, much less than $100 a haircut. I Let me see. Let me tell you the most I probably spent. I don't even want to embarrass myself like that. And I'm not going to make judgments on what he does with his hair and what he has to do that requires a hundred dollars i'll let y'all speak on that but to say even if you're joking and you're trolling to say you need to spend a hundred dollars on a haircut or you ain't really doing much first of all stop insulting the sanctity of barbers and beauticians well beauticians are different from barbers but look for all the guys that are out there all my my guys in the barber shop doing their thing and they don't charge a hundred dollars a haircut nowhere near a hundred dollars a haircut and they're still getting it in and still doing work i have to go in on jalen rose and tell the world that he is a big dummy you big dummy (laughs) (laughs) 
know Jalen Rose was just having fun. I mean, he didn't grow up like that. But he's been rich a long, long time. I think it was kind of a humble brag. I'm not paying less than $100 a haircut. If you ain't doing that, you're not on my level. Well, he didn't say my level, but he said on any quality level. But come on, Jay. <laughs> I know you're having fun with that, and we're having fun with this. But, yeah, you're a big dummy for that one. Getting out of here, but before I let go. Before I let go. Before I let go, hey, I want to remind you guys to get in on the Men's Bracket Challenge. The group is KTSU Sports Talk on ESPN. So when you fill out your bracket and you're looking to join a group, it's KTSU Sports Talk. And uh, pick with us. That's coming up. We have some special stuff going on around the Final Four as well. I'll have to tell you all about that in the coming weeks. I also want to remind you guys, you can call the Sports Line 24 hours a day, 832-941-6614. And, of course, you can join the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group page on Facebook and be a part of the group. And if you can't remember any of that, please remember these four things. Number one, I don't do no favors after six o'clock in the evening. Two, I ain't got no money. Three, I'm not harboring any fugitives from justice. And four, bye. This has been the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at Wade's Word. Thank you for listening.